0: Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, Many who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi, guys, and welcome to episode 83 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. How you doing, guys? How you feeling today? Just spend a moment, just kind of like checking in with yourself and noticing what comes up when you ask yourself that question. Because I think sometimes we just fucking go, go, go all the time, right? And just actually taking a moment to slow down and just to, to really ask ourselves how we're feeling can be so powerful. It can really reveal what we're thinking and how our brain's working. So there's just a little invitation for you just to check in with how you're feeling today. So, episode 83, and today I've got a really fucking cool conversational chat with a Q&A at the end of it that I did recently with a coach called Angela Macedic. She works with women who want to stop over-drinking, And she has a podcast called Stop Drinking, Start Living. She's been on this podcast as a guest before and was really, really well received. So it's great to bring this collaborative call that we did together. And boy, did we get through a lot. We start by giving a kind of brief overview of our relationship with alcohol and how it's changed and what life looks like without it now. And then we go on to discuss some really key topics that you might be experiencing at the minute if you're doing dry January or just on your stop drinking journey. And so we talk about things like managing your urges, understanding what your urges are. We look at how you can deal with, for want of a better word, partners, friends, other people in your life who might have an opinion about your decision not to drink. We are answering questions as we go through, which is really cool. So you get to hear like how we might approach some of the the conversations that you might wanna have with people in your life as well. We cover a ton of stuff. We talk about how you can go beyond dry days, right? Like Or dry January, sorry, thinking about what's beyond that as well. And not just getting focused on how many days you've stopped drinking, right? Like I've talked about this in the podcast before. I think it's so important, like, let's look for the progress, right? Let's look for the wins that you're having. Let's look where you're making different decisions. And one of the other key topics that we talk about is how to treat yourself. How you treat yourself really, really matters. How you talk to yourself, how you forgive yourself, how you go again, right? It really, really matters. I'm just gonna let this recording do the talking. Enjoy the show, guys. Take care, and I'll see you again next week. Bye.
1: Welcome to the Dry January webinar with myself, Angela Mecenic, and Patrick Fox. And we are here today to just help you with some tools about how to be successful during Dry January, how to take it a little bit deeper than just counting days about being alcohol-free, and so that you can feel good about taking some of these tools when you leave this month and continuing to explore your relationship with alcohol. So we have some over um, some like four main topics we're going to discuss. I'll share that, or we will share that in a minute. But I thought we could start by just um, introducing ourselves. Patrick, you want to just tell them uh, the short and dirty about you and how you got here, and a little bit about your story, and then I'll go, and then we can jump in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Angela. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep it real short. So <laughs> my name's Patrick Fox. I am a life coach. I work with men who want to rethink alcohol in their lives, uh, and not just alcohol. It is more commonly now is a lot of addictions I think is what it boils down to and it's kind of what we're going to be talking about today right like that emotional piece so I stopped drinking alcohol in my life four years ago I completely severed ties with it if you like that's just what worked best for me after many attempts at uh, micromanaging it if you like so yeah I celebrated four years last a week ago so that was super fun. Yeah, thank you. And and from stopping drinking and like all of these other things that were going on in my life, it reignited my passion with coaching re- and it gave me focus. It gave me purpose and like all of that energy that I took back from not being hung over, not thinking about drinking and all of those other things that come with it. I've just completely plowed into helping other people. And, and I I was reflecting on this the other day, like, it, you know, doing my podcast working with other people has been a massive part of my recovery if you like as well so yeah that's been really really fun that's
2: awesome yeah
1: (laughs) can you tell them just a little bit more about like what it looked like for you and your drinking before you decided to stop or change it
0: yeah so I mean I was I would say I was a binge drinker so Mm -hmm. for me kind of Thursday through Sunday, there's a a heavy drinking, a lot of going out. Sometimes it was all through the week as well, but generally not so much. And I was drinking a lot, doing a lot of drugs as well, right? And it came to a point where I just like had this nudge. Like I knew that there was, I didn't want to do it anymore. I knew it was kind of like holding me back from doing other things in my life. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite, quite pinpoint what it was but so I would do things in secret almost right like so I knew there was this part of me that wanted to stop drinking so I started using health as a reason to stop drinking so I'd I'd sign up for running events I said well, I wasn't going to drink because so I wanted to like perform better for running so like there was still part of me that could see that drinking was in, impacting all of these things. Mm-hmm. But even at one point, I, when I was thinking about being a dad, like I, I found out that alcohol can affect sperm count and stuff like that. So you no, know, again, that there was like these little nudges taking me towards this direction of uh, shifting my relationship with alcohol. So I had a few attempts at not drinking. You know, I, th- I think most of the time half-hearted, like I was like, I'm not gonna drink this week. I'll just drink on the weekends. And then, you know, by Wednesday, crack open a bottle of wine and then it would just kind of like escalate and then Mm
2: -hmm.
0: as brains do that all or nothing thinking was like oh I'll start again next week yeah but and and then in 2017 I the year my son was due to be born I also got into the London marathon uh and at that point I was like I'm not going to drink this year and I didn't I didn't drink for nearly seven months of that whole year Mm -hmm. oh actually i I had one glass of champagne after 100 days, which I found in my journal, which was amusing. (laughs) That's not bad in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. And then it it came to, like, the summertime in the UK, and it was hot outside, and my baby had been born, and all these things. And then, like, I just found myself back drinking again. And this time when I started drinking, I started getting really bad hangovers, like worse than I'd ever had before. And then I started using cocaine to assist me in being able to drink more because you know the weird thing Andrew is like I didn't actually like being drunk like as in not having my wits about me I like yeah. the feeling of being drunk but I just didn't like the be drunk I didn't like not being able to remember what had happened and all of those things
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I think it started getting a little bit scary where like I, there were like bits of the nights so that I couldn't remember and you know like you get that anxiety like oh what did I do what did I say yeah. and stuff yeah also just like spending a ton of money a lot of time and energy being wasted. And so and like
1: maintain your, the, the drinking, right? Like adding the drugs to help you maintain the relationship with alcohol. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is yeah. Exhausting.
2: It's exhausting. a lot of work to maintain <laughs> that relationship, like, you know?
0: There's a lot of commitment. It that really goes into is. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You have to be committed. And then because I'd, I'd, I'd have this like threshold of like four or five beers and then that is when I'd have to get drugs. That like, have to. Even now I've got that language, right? But I wouldn't have I'd be in my overdraft most of the time because I was just like spending money going out all the time and like making all these promises and then like the, the rationalization that I would go through to make it okay to go to the bank and withdraw like another hundred bucks just to go and buy drugs to carry on drinking. Yeah. All year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: fucking yeah.
0: Insane.
1: Yeah. When you look at it now, it feels insane, but in the moment it made sense to you. <laughs>
0: Oh, I made complete Sounds sense like, right? yeah yeah no <laughs> that's, I, like
1: that's where we can get kind of like whoa because we're not we're in our own mind about some of that shit right yeah yeah well that's quite remarkable so then what happened did you have like a like a big thing or an event or anything like that
0: yeah so I, I like I talk about this is like I hit my rock bottom right but rock bottom doesn't mean to have to be like the worst thing in the world that could have ever happened to you right like you i think you get to choose your rock bottom
2: mm-hmm. you,
0: and and what i mean by that is like you just go that i'm done like and this is it this is me making a decision like i've had enough so my rock bottom was it was christmas time four years ago and i didn't drink christmas day because we had a new puppy i think i had like one or two we didn't i didn't drink christmas day because i was driving and i had to lose puppy and it, i was just kind of stressed anyway because i'd already been actively thinking about alcohol use like i started reading this naked mind by any grace and stuff mm-hmm. so that you know like there was this uh yeah. cognitive dissonance in my mind about what i was doing i didn't drink christmas day really so then boxing day of course i, ha- I had to make it up to myself right so i went out got really drunk watched my football team they won that was another further excuse to keep drinking we went to the pub with all my mates, and because I was so drunk, I I wanted to get drugs at this point, so I was, like, phoning up all of these people all around my local area, asking people in the pub. It was just, like, no other thoughts about anything other than getting those drugs. And I, I don't remember much of the night other than just, like my phone was dying so I had to go across and buy a charger then the charger didn't work and then I was like getting really anxious because my girlfriend works in a pub and I didn't want her to know what I was doing but like she, you know what I mean it's like yeah. all this crazy stuff and then there, there's this image of my my son one-year-old son at home my puppy at home my daughter at home like all of the other family members who were at home and who'd gone back to do whatever that day and Luckily I didn't get anything that night because I think that that was my real sliding doors moment. I think I left the pub that night. I did a shot of some baby Guinness or some shit. I don't remember walking home, but I do remember waking up on the sofa the next morning. My partner came in the room and I was like, I am done. I just cannot do this to myself anymore. No. And so I committed to take a break from alcohol it wasn't like I'm never going to drink again in the UK, and I'm sure it's worldwide now, but they, we've got like a one year no beer yeah, organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And whilst I didn't go f- through that actual uh, program, I loved it, it just stuck in my head, right? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do one year no beer. Like, let me mm-hmm. see if I can go this year without drinking and, and see what's different,
2: mm-hmm. you know?
0: But within a few months, like it was apparently or abundantly clear, like I was just done. Like I couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. And I was and I was feeling so much more confident. And I think the rise of zero beers and lots of other factors kind of helped with all of that. So mm-hmm.
2: wow. Yeah.
0: And I here we are. Sharing we are like,
2: that detailed
1: story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's just so helpful for everyone to kind of have a picture because I'm sure somebody has a variation of that story. You know? we all do especially over and over and over again when we go out or drink more than we want and then we're like i'm done the next day and then it doesn't become i'm done but this time you listen to yourself which is remarkable
0: right? yeah it, it really is it's just like I can't do this to myself yeah. anymore and 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 it was strange because it wasn't like i hadn't had those thoughts before mm-hmm. but something had shifted in me like now i education. actually knew yeah. them to be true, right like That's i believe like the what education I'm that
1: you had given yourself before that by reading the book and like the science yeah. around it and like you you saw the patterns probably a little bit more conscious right and then it was just like and yeah uh, this is it
0: yeah definitely yeah. that book made a massive difference Do you know i think one of the biggest things was in, in that book uh, and we know as well right, outside of it but like alcohol is ethanol yeah and I, like, I think about that, and I'm like ethanol is, you know, like some additive that they put in 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 fuel for cars and planes and all of this stuff. And it's like, yeah. why are we drinking that?
2: I know, I know, <laughs> it's know? toxic,
1: right?
0: Yeah, pure yeah. pure alcohol will kill you. Right. Like that's why we drink it at like four, or five, and then up to fifteen, maybe thirty, whatever. Like because pure alcohol is purest form is mean, absolutely lethal yeah. to human beings. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: thank you. So my, if you guys um, don't know my story, I'll keep it short and brief too, but basically I overdrank for my whole life, ever since I started drinking, partying in college, all that kind of thing. And then um, it became just more sophisticated looking (laughs) when I graduated college and like had money and like had to entertain clients and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I would you know wine and dine people and travel and you know like it would be like a fancy cocktail or martini or something like that and then there was wine club memberships and I got into wine and like I had this identity around being somebody who knew a lot about wine and my husband I got married in a winery like it was just very much entrenched into our lifestyles and um I would still try to cut back and all of that. Like, I, I, like if I traveled or something, I went to like a sales meeting and we would totally over drink and party. Cause it's like, you know, work hard, play hard type culture. I would remember like coming, like flying home and like my ankles would be swollen on the airplane. And like, that was, oh, this is how crazy it was. That's my sign that I need to cut back. I have to wait for my ankles to swell for me to be like, it's time to take a break. <laughs> Like I would let it get that far. Right. I mean, it's so crazy. Like what our things are right for me, that was like, yep, I can tell I need to, you know, do a detox. My ankles are swollen and that's uncomfortable. So I would, I would diet. I would, I would go and restrict myself very heavily. I would do like a juice cleanse or some sort. And I would struggle with my weight and I had food stuff too. So like there was all of that combined. And then, um, and then it just like kind of kept creeping up. So it would be a Tuesday and it'd be stressful after work or whatever. And then I had three kids back to back and I was working full time. So like, as I, my life got more, um, involved, my stress levels, my anxiety levels, overwhelm, all that stuff went up. And I kept, I, the more that's when I used alcohol more, especially wine after work to take the edge off all that stuff. And, um, I had actually quit my job. I was in advertising at the time. And because I was just, I knew like, kind of like you, Patrick, I was exploring a different way of doing things. I'm like, my life isn't working for me, but I didn't really pinpoint it to the alcohol. Yeah. I was like, but I just can't keep doing what I'm doing. So I actually started a blog, a healthy lifestyle blog, and I um, was going to figure out how to like make my own money online. So I quit my job, but I wasn't making any money and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I was very confused about what to tell people. This is such a weird story, but like, I was confused and I had this identity thing. I'm like, I'm not a professional right now. And I'm also just not a stay at home mom. And like, I don't know what, what, what I am. And, um, I found life coaching and then within life, I joined a life coaching program and they said, make a goal for the year. Like the, the one thing that you have been struggling with, with the longest, like, let's work on that. And for me, it was my weight because I had my parents put me on a diet when I was eight years old. So like there was just a whole long of history of dieting and up and down and, you know, alcohol was involved as well. But when I started working on that, I decided to not drink for until I got to my goal weight and that break that I gave myself from alcohol completely changed my life. Like it just totally opened everything up for me. I learned how to be with my feelings. I learned how to manage my mind. I learned how to follow through for myself And I really clearly saw the, the block that alcohol was doing to me. Like it wasn't good for me. And so six months later, I decided to not drink. I did drink a little bit after that initial break that I gave myself. Um, But then I finally just like, I don't really want this anymore. Like it was just like, I'm done. Like even just one drink, it wasn't that I was over drinking or anything. It was just one drink put a veil over me. I didn't feel that clarity and that connection with my family um, I liked feeling alive I liked the way I was feeling without it and so I'm like why do I keep doing this and so I just stopped and it's gonna be five years in June
0: amazing yeah
1: Love it. so now that's what I do I, I figured out how to help people online and create a business so that's kind of where that story goes and so I've developed many coaching programs for women I have a podcast too it's called stop over drinking and start living um, and that's my story
0: Nice. Well, thank you for sharing. And what I love about Angela is like, even though it, it, it seemed so weird or felt so weird is like, we just don't know what it's going to look like. You know, there's that great Steve quote, uh, Steve Jobs quote about like, you can only join the dots looking backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might do something and you might have no idea, like why you're doing it or what the purpose of it is. But, like, you know, in the some point in the future, you'll look back and go, Oh, okay. I had to do that in order to get to this next part, this next realization, change, whatever it looks like. So, I think it's
1: like like, just like you start tuning in to hearing yourself. It's like for you, it's like, Oh, I want to, I want to. I'm going to use the physical fitness to figure this out. I'm going to, I'm going to do these things to have this boundary so hard for myself that I can't drink. Cause I've got to train for this race. Right. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like focusing on the alcohol thing. And for me, it was like, my life is so a fucking hot mess <laughs> and it's too overwhelming. It's not worth having a two income household anymore. So I'm going to quit my job. That was my kind of listening to like, what's not working, but that opened up my space to figure my own shit out. Right. Like, instead of staying in that cycle that wasn't working
2: yeah
1: yeah cool does anybody have any questions
2: (laughs) you can type them in the
1: chat if you want to um but we can dig into the next or the first question the first question or the first topic was um partner and friends partners or friends who still drink while we're trying to do a dry january or cut back yeah.
0: So what do you want to say about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I was well, I've been thinking about it this week and it's like it's other people's opinion about you doing something for yourself, right? And like they feel like they have they they're entitled to have one about your decision. <laughs> and it, Yeah, it never really works that way, right? Okay. So there was a word that you said when you were sharing about your journey, right? And it's all about identity.
2: Mm. And
0: you know, when we identify as someone or doing something, like, creates a lot of certainty for ourselves. And that's true for other people as well. So I think about when I stopped drinking alcohol, like me, my partner, we both used to drink at the time. So for me to stop drinking and her then to be drinking still, like, there was a big identity shift happening for both of us. Like, me getting used to this new identity of not drinking and her also – like getting used to the identity of me not drinking as well it's almost like a, gr- a grieving process yeah. so yeah I think it's just like interesting to look at it from that perspective as well but mm-hmm. yeah people people are going to have an opinion right mm-hmm. it's got nothing to do with you <laughs> you know I can't stress that enough it really hadn't it's like all all about what their expectations are what they think that you should or shouldn't be doing and you know we're all kind of a little bit selfish in terms of like well how's that going to impact me like if you do that well, well what's that going to look like for me as well so yeah. if you're making that choice not to drink like somebody else is going to think well how's that impacting us
1: yeah I mean that I don't think that they consciously think that the other person no. so we had I, on one of my coaching calls today the uh, woman said that her friend said oh you're no fun You know, like after they had gone out together and the woman didn't drink, like sent her a follow up text. You're no fun now that you're not, you know, with this not drinking thing. First of all, that's rude. Don't ever say that to somebody. P.S. All of your (laughs) friends, all of your, don't ever fucking say that to somebody. Like that is just, how does that feel good? Like, and you just became the fun, the person who's not fun anymore. That, right? Like, talk about like the energy of being that person. I used to be that person too, though. It's just, And all fairness, like I used to be the pusher and the partier and like one more and come on, don't be boring, all of that shit. So I apologize to all the people that I used to do that to, And I've learned so much, like, just don't do that. Like let people have their own choices, right? Don't say that. It's just not very friendly or fun to say you're no fun to somebody. That's like, that's what people might say on the playground
0: in elementary school and also like what what's the intention behind that person saying it right you know
1: it's because they're feeling what yeah left out probably or like there's a disconnect there's a shift that they're like okay this person is changing and our our identities together are not as in sync as they once were and so that probably just feels difficult for them but What we have to remember is that's for them. That is their own sort of emotional response, right? And it doesn't have anything to do. It's about what they think they might be losing. It's not about you, no matter what they say, if they say you are doing this or you are no fun, it's when people say those things and act that way, remember like what Patrick and I teach is anything that we do or don't do, say, don't say is based on how we feel, So if someone says something unkind to you, you have to think about what they must be feeling to say that. And it could be threatened, left out, confused, right? And so when they feel that way, we generally don't act great, right? And especially people who don't know this kind of work. Yeah. So I'm not trying to give them a pass or anything. It's still totally freaking rude. But just know that that's coming from their own pain that they probably have no idea about because they're still drinking.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it's like such a beautiful example. It's got nothing to do with you, right? Like, it's all about them. It's about what, as you said, what they think they're going to lose, what they're afraid of in the friendship. Like, maybe they have this expectation that you're the the one that they go out with to unwind, quote unquote, with alcohol. And like now that you might not be doing that and they're worrying about, well, what am I going to do in the future? How am I going to take care of my own needs? Right.
1: Yes. Yes. It's all about them. It's all about them. It's not so much yeah. about you. So, um, so the other part of that, just kind of understanding, like when people say that, that's what that means. And that's what kind of like, that's for them to figure out. Not You don't have to explain anything to anybody if you don't want to. And I think like, especially with people who are married or partnered and they live together, it can be kind of complicated, right? Or like they might be monitoring you when you're, you said you were doing dry January or right. Or like they're tracking you or something. Right. And, um, this came up today too. It's like when they might say something to you about your drinking, right. Or not drinking, like, what can we do to help them with that? Yeah. It's like, whenever there's an opportunity, when somebody says something you don't like, it's an opportunity for you to look at your own relationship with alcohol. So like, even if somebody says they don't, why like judging you for not drinking try to be conscious of that and be like okay so instead of me worrying about what that person is thinking or doing how can I just focus on working on my relationship with alcohol how can I take that time and energy and look at what I'm feeling right now what I'm thinking about it because that's the most important thing when you are the one making the
0: changes and and I think it's a skill right like like rethinking alcohol in your life is like is a massive thing because you know we just look around in the world that we're in and only yesterday i was with some people and they were they were really frustrated because they, they'd stopped drinking for six years and they were watching this program and like it was about women who something had happened like some stress and the first thing they do is go and drink alcohol right like, so we're, yeah. we're getting that conditioning like even now oh, yes and w- when you're making that choice for yourself like it I don't want to say you're going to be vulnerable, but I think you might be a little bit more sensitive to other people's reactions to it. And so it's just like, you've got to be patient with yourself like right? develop that n- nurture yourself through that process as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause what other people say definitely is a trigger sometimes, right? Like
2: yeah.
1: the, the emotions behind what they're saying, the energy behind what they're saying can, can land on us differently than maybe they are intending it to be. And just to know, like when you're not drinking, you are probably are like, you probably haven't been aware of how you've been feeling for a while. Right. That's,
0: yeah. It's like going to the, get, going to the doctor, the dentist and like you've got a, a nerve exposed, right? Like stuff's yes. going to a little different than it did in the past.
1: Yeah. And it won't always be like that. Like, of course, like that's part of the process is learning how to be with your feelings and like this, taking a break during dry January will expose you. So it's like, I was imagining this visual recently. It's like this, I'm like literally an exposed nerve, like walking around. Right. And I'm susceptible for triggers and pain and all the things. Right. And once you give yourself a chance to look at that and process those feelings and, and interrupt the patterns that you had, then it becomes a lot easier. It doesn't mean it's never going to be painful or you're not experiencing negative emotions, but it just becomes a lot easier to manage. So dry January gives you an opportunity to expose all that shit. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: And I would just invite you to pay attention to it. When, when you do feel those really hard feelings to get curious about that, instead of judging yourself, um, blaming somebody else, like really go in and be like, okay, what is this about? Why am I yeah. so upset about this thing? Why am I so reactive to this thing? Grab a journal, write out all your thoughts and your feelings about the situation so you can see it. And then you know, let yourself just pause and breathe and process that through and break that cycle. We don't wanna just try to cover it up with something else, right? Like food or scrolling on Facebook or deep cleaning the house. I mean, that can be helpful sometimes, but you know what I'm saying? Do you have anything to add to that? Like, we don't wanna like not pay attention to that stuff
0: yeah I, like, as you were sharing that what came up for me is you know if someone says something as you're saying like not to 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 blame them or not not even necessarily to try and understand them and why they're saying it i, I think that's not what we're saying at all it's like actually the invitation is just to come back to yourself yes. is yes. yes what's happening for me like what i'm I? Up- I'm afraid of, right? Like, so if someone else is afraid they're not going to have their drinking partner, well, what fears are coming up for me when they say that, right? Like, because also there's someone in your life that you might not have the same relationship as well. And Mm -hmm. how we are wired as humans is for connection, right? And so Mm -hmm. something like that can seem like a a big deal to our brain. So I think, yeah, really coming back to yourself, getting curious, compassionate, you know, they're all skills as well. I think. If, if that's not something you've done before, like it's about developing that in yourself as well. Yes. Yeah. You know? and, and I, I think, think journaling be, is an amazing tool to start doing. Yeah,
1: Getting with. coaching, you know, <laughs> talking coach, about yeah. joining a group of people with, that are working on this kind of stuff together, who are open to sharing this stuff with people Um I think if you look at some of those things, when people say something or do something, right. And instead of wondering why they did that or said that and spending all that time making up stories about why you think they did that or this or that, like that just causes you unnecessary suffering, by the way. And we have no idea why we do it. We really like knowing the human condition, we're driven by how we feel to say things, do things, whatever, that's fine. But spending any more time wondering why they're doing something like that. Is just time taking away where you could look at yourself and really dig in and learn something about yourself because this isn't going to be the only time that you're triggered about something, right? We're humans and everybody says stupid shit all the time, including myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Like we're we're emotional beings. Like that's part of being a mammal. And, you know, it's such a good point. Like, there's just no point trying to understand why somebody else is doing something just just get super curious with yourself I think I can't stress that bit enough
2: yeah okay
1: does anybody have any questions about partners or friends or people saying stuff or all that I mean we could talk about this for a full hour
0: sure well just what was coming up for me as well is like even if you notice that your brain does want to keep latching on to what they said and stuff like just know that's normal as well. Like, that's not something to then beat yourself up about. Like, just to step back, go, oh, I'm thinking about what they said again, right? Like, I'm not, and, yeah. and, and watch what it creates in you as well. I think that's fascinating. Like, sometimes sometimes I'll be like, I'll be doing a washing or I'll be doing some like trivial task and I'll start thinking about something and, and I'll start getting annoyed about it. And I'll start feeling the build up in me. I'm like, why am I thinking about this? It's been, like absolutely crazy. So, yeah, just like, begin watching what you're thinking i think is is yeah. super important as well
1: it's like understand like for you and me we this is second nature at this point but like i think the yeah. first cue yeah. that i'm ruminating <laughs> on something is how i feel so if i'm real anxious or i'm uptight or i notice myself thinking about the same problem over and over and over again or i feel really hot about something i'm like all right like what's going on like what what am i thinking right now because that's always the answer to how we're feeling on the inside. It's like I'm thinking they shouldn't be doing It's usually like somebody shouldn't be doing something that they are. Or something shouldn't have happened the way it did. It's a, it's a variation of one of those things that, that gets me going.
0: Yeah, n- non-acceptance. <laughs> and we're
1: not we're not like this, does, this still happens for us, even though we're coaches and we know how to manage our mind. You can't prevent it from coming in, but you can learn how to manage it. Like, like Patrick keeps saying, it's a skill, right? An awareness. We have awareness. We know what to do with our feelings instead of go drink. Um, but that's taken practice, a lot of practice and awareness and coaching and being willing to look at it.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. The next question or topic we had was how to treat yourself well even if you over drink. Eat yeah. us off on that one.
0: Yeah, I think it's, uh, again, another really important topic. And, you know, the brain's natural tendency is centered towards negativity bias, right? Like That's all part of that survival brain in ourselves. So if we do something that we don't if we do something that we don't want to do, say like over drink, for example, like our brain's gonna focus on that and it's gonna start making it a problem for ourselves. And the more that we start making it a problem, we'll start beating ourselves up and criticizing ourselves and asking ourselves questions like, oh, why did I do that? Why am I so stupid? What's wrong with me? Just know that your brain's a bit like Google, right? Like when you type a search into Google, it goes away and it finds all the answers for you, Well, your brain's doing exactly the same thing, right? So, the way in which you treat yourself the way in which you ask yourself about what happened really really matters and so it's kind of the same thing we're talking about there with with partners and or other people saying something is like noticing how you're talking to yourself like are you treating yourself with love and respect and curiosity and compassion like you would you know like Kids, if you've got kids, or even your partners, or the the, the people that you love in your life, at least, right? Mm-hmm. Are you do Are you giving that to yourself? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I and I think and I see it all the time, and I do it myself still, even now. Is like sometimes the answer is no.
1: Yeah, I mean that's our default setting. So there's that, right? Yeah. Like we can't prevent it from coming in. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's just like I don't know. I just like it's not even that I'm being I'm. Like it doesn't sound like I'm being mean to myself, but when I check it, I'm like, oh, that's not that's not really nice. Good morning, Angela. How about good morning? You know, like do you say good morning to yourself? I started doing that like a few months back, and I swear to God, it changed my whole day. I'm like instead of like running through my list or analyzing something in my mind or just like oh, good morning. You know, like we don't need to do that to ourselves. It's not super like that's kind of like. I had this mantra for all of last year, and I probably will have it forever now. But it's like, allow space and time for things and people who support and love you, and less time and for things for, for people or less time and energy around uh, for people and things that don't support you. And that negative self talk falls into that lower bucket. That doesn't support me. That doesn't make me feel good. And so I'm giving that less time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you have an over drink, your brain is going to go into most people anyway, to the shame game and the guilt and the regret and all that kind of stuff. And just know that that's normal and you don't have to buy into it. You just, for, and it sounds like this in your head, you wake up, you over, oh, I didn't follow through or I, you know, I made a mistake or whatever. And like, I'm so mad, like I hear you and you know what, we're going to take care of ourselves today. I'm going to go figure out what happened so I can learn from it. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I'm going to rest when I need to rest. I'm going to eat well today. And we're going to figure this out. Total different than I have to shame myself and be hard on myself and be remorseful about it. None of that works because until you get really good at feeling your feelings and interrupting that automatic process that happens when you feel bad, you will. That is more likely to drive more of the behavior that you don't want. Those negative feelings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One one of the thoughts I practice is is I refuse to speak to myself like that anymore. Like right? I'm just not yeah. going to do it. It's just it's not nice. It's not kind. Like I wouldn't speak to anybody else in the world like it. Yeah. But it's funny because I went, and it still happens sometimes, right? Like I'm not saying I don't think we ever get rid of it I was yeah. watching a really amazing uh Gabor Mate training the other day and he's talking about the uber ego um you know like u- uber, uber ich, as is Freud calls it and it's just like that that voice that we hear is just like some really younger version of ourselves that was doing something to try and protect us at a, at a younger age right mm-hmm. but <laughs> and this sounds funny but like he he calls that voice stupid it goes because it it can't learn like it doesn't have the ability to learn and so like you have to be the adult for it
2: hmm.
0: you know so like even think about that conceptually like when you hear that voice like who is that voice what mm-hmm. age is that voice you know is it even your voice or is it like someone from your, your parents loop? voice yeah, I, your I parent. recently saw that I'm like that's reading. not
1: me I don't think that way I'm like that's not mine Yeah, I don't want to think that that way anymore. Right. And then you can come back to who you are and how you want to think.
0: Yeah. And I think that's you you can like detach yourself from it almost as well. And I think that could be really helpful for perspective, for perspective. But like I went out the other week for a meal with with my family and I said something to my daughter and I didn't like what I said. And then I went to the toilet. And just like this absolute wave of abuse happens. Like, you're fat, you're an idiot, you're stupid, like all of this stuff. And I was just like, whoa, man, like it was intense. And even though that voice is there, right? Like, I think it's, you can look at it from another lens as well, is that it's actually showing you that there is something else important to you that you're like, you're wanting to work towards. Yes. You know, so even yeah. though it's not, doesn't feel great and all of that, but it like it, it, it's like sh- it's showing you there is something else that you want.
1: Right. It's like disappointment. You know, Disapp- it's, it's, we want to be disappointed when we don't follow through. Right. We want to see that. Not that we need to say, I'm disappointed in myself and I should be disappointed in myself and I don't follow through on it. Like, that's not what we're talking about. But that feeling that you, all of our feelings have very important information to share with us. And even though the shame and the guilt and the disappointment and the regret, all of that, those feelings aren't, they don't really help us. Like if we continue to engage with them, but their initial show up is here to get our attention. Right. They're like, Hey, we don't like this right? We, hello, pay attention to me. And the voice that it comes with, right? That's another thing, like we can manage that, but that feeling that you're getting, it's like your little red flag is going up, like help. And so we want to listen to that, like, okay, I'm feeling this way again. What is that about? What, you know, maybe I can like learn about that. There's a message here for me that I want to tap into, right? I'm out of alignment, it's, it's like it's a sign that you're out of alignment in how you want to do things and your your story about like you're out of alignment with the way you want to parent right and so that feeling yeah. came up to show you like hold on a second whoa maybe you know and then you can decide what you want to do from there
0: yeah yeah i i think that for me is like comes around showing you what you want but also like your values what's most important to you so when i was In my beginning of, like, rethinking my relationship to alcohol, like, one of my values is health, right? And vitality and drinking alcohol was obviously massively in conflict with that. And so that's where that kind of dynamic came from that as well. So I think, you know, like, what's important to you? What matters to you? Like, all of these things are are, are great questions. And when you're getting curious about them, like, you're going to start treating yourself differently because... You are because you're being congruent. You're being in alignment with, with what's your truth.
1: Yeah. And if you don't know what's important to you, you should go find out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need to buy into your life and live your life in accordance to what is good for you and what you want. And a lot of times people reach a certain age and they're totally like for me. I was following this very scripted pathway to what I thought looked like success and what you should do the standard American lifestyle, the house, the kids, the career, all the husband, the dog, the cat, all of these things, right? And what wasn't working, it just wasn't working for me. So a lot of times people just ignore that. They're like, that's just the way it is, and this is my mom did it too, and but and just they keep going. Yeah. And for me, it's like I just that I did that for a long time. And then we escape that. We want to numb that. We want to, our feelings, that overwhelm, that stress, all that. It's like, Hey, this isn't working. Right. And instead of ignoring that and trying to just like ignore the anxiety or whatever, like we have to give ourselves some space to understand what it is, what we really want. And so use this month as that opportunity, whatever your triggers are coming up, ask yourself, what is it that I really want? What, if I have an overdrink, What was I missing for myself of that day? Where didn't I show myself what I really wanted? Did I even ask myself what I wanted? We need to put ourselves at the very top of the list when we're doing this work. Um, There's so many nuances to all of that, but I just want you to... Think about how to make yourself a priority and ask those questions. Is this something that I want to recommit to doing for my life? Do I want to make dinner every night? Do I want to be the one that walks the dog all the time? Do you know what I mean? Like we have to like say yes to this stuff. Otherwise we just carry a lot of resentment and we buy into the system of the way it should be. And that feels very much out of alignment with who we are. And then we numb and we escape and we look for things to make us feel better. That doesn't actually help.
0: Yeah. Just the word powerless just comes into my head as you're sharing oh. about it. You just feel powerless to, to anything. So yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's not just for drinking, but I like that's life, life. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It's
1: Absolutely. just for us, it showed up as an addiction to alcohol, right? Like yeah. we use alcohol to numb our feelings. And even though you guys just sometimes say it's just a habit, it's not true. Habits don't just happen. Like you have to build that habit by being in response to your feelings. <laughs> so we want to like go a little bit deeper there. Um, and I use, you, you, I was taught too, in our culture, in our society, in my family system, that that is what you do. Like you just drink to be more fun, to deal with your shit, like all of it. And You don't have to, like, it doesn't have to be a tool to manage your life. You can have an amazing life and learn how to manage it and build a life that feels good for you. And it's going to, sometimes you have to ruffle the feathers. So like going back to what other people are thinking and saying about you changing things up, when you start honoring yourself, it's going to like, you're like shaking that rug and people are going to have some things to say about it. And so I don't want you to prevent. I don't want that to prevent you from living your best life because um, people are going to have opinions until the day you die. But you have to understand what your own opinion is about your own life and then start following through on living the life that you want to live.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like notice how many opinions you have of other people as well. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's just... That the human I mean,
1: judging other people is like that doesn't feel good by the way have you ever noticed you judging somebody <clears throat> and how you feel while you're doing that doesn't feel fun like it's yeah. not loving doesn't feel like joyous or anything right it's like doesn't feel good
0: nice <laughs> uh, yeah and so we've got a quick question from Anne yeah. here about uh, how we, how spouses can help. And then I think from there, like, it seems like a real good segue to go into the, the urges piece of things as well. So let's look at this question by Anne, right? Like, mention okay. how your spouse can help you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go first? Or I've got some ideas. Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> well, and you might not like all of this answer, Right because sometimes partners might not just want to help like spouses might not want to support you in your journey but what I would say is that sometimes that's true like in the beginning they might not be supportive but over time when your decisions identity gets to where you want it to be like it all begins to normalize so I spoke about my partner earlier like in the beginning it created a little bit of tension in our relationship but now we're like years down the line and you know she buys me alcohol free beers like she's very supportive of it in, mm-hmm. in my life so like in the beginning it might be a little bit i want to say the word rocky but you know what i mean like it might be a little bit different and then over time they begin to support you mm-hmm. that said other things that you can do are to like really communicate with your partner I think you were talking about it earlier Angela really like expressing look this is what I'm doing this is why I'm doing it I understand that's going to impact you what can we do about that how can we help to meet our own needs I think that's the key thing right not meet each other's needs but how can we meet our own needs like what can we do to support each other as we go through this transition and that's what it is it's a transition right
1: Yeah. It's like a recalibration of what your relationship looks like. It's a change and it, you know, change comes like, you know, it can be up and down. It's not going to be like this perfectly smooth sailing thing sometimes. Right. I don't really know any big changes where that's the case. Right. It's always like, can be up and down. And so we just have to be willing to know that it's not going to look a specific way. Um, it's not going to be perfect and you're going to learn how to communicate with each other better for me and my husband, like, you know, he had questions too. I, I, I was turning 40 at the time when I was working on all of this and I had planned to have people, all my local friends come to my favorite wine bar and celebrate my 40th birthday. And I was hosting it and buying it all and everything. And he's like, So you're going to invite people to this wine bar and you're not going to drink. I'm like, yeah, that's going to be great. He's like, "Mm." like, he didn't say like, I could just sense that he was just like, we'll we'll see how that goes. Cause like my past, right. I mean, (laughs) this is like, she's going to drink anyway, I did it and I showed up and I was like so fun and I paid for everything. Like it was a great time. I I legitimately had a good time. And so did they. And so it's almost just like, we have to let them have their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't try to change what people were thinking. I just focused on me. And so sometimes people are going to have thoughts and things about it. And it's like, it's okay that they do, because that's just what they are used to seeing. And so if they doubt you or they question you or, or they're, you know, fine tuning your drink plan or whatever it is, it's like, it's okay, because I just need to show them with time and communication and telling them specific details about what I'm working on. They'll It'll become clear down the road if it's not right now. And I also just told my husband, like, I really remember one night I was having some urges and I just, he was sitting on the couch and I was sitting on the couch and I looked at him and I'm just like, I'm having some strong urges right now. And he's like, "Hmm." I'm like, yeah, I just, I really want to drink, but I'm trying to learn how to process and feel my feelings in my body. He had never heard this shit before. Like he probably thought it was just talking in a foreign language, you know, but just talking about it in the real moment of it was really, really helpful for me. Not that I needed him to do anything, it's just like helped me reiterate to somebody that was a human what it was like for me, and it helped him understand me more, and so our relationship actually got better. Yeah.
0: So, I—that's I, I, one of the things I love most about coaching, right? Is like we just get a witness to whatever's going on to, for ourselves, and you yeah. being able to share that with your husband, like it just—I imagine just like lost so much of its power because like yes. you just put it out of your head. So right. to, yeah. You it's know, like, I like yeah. It.
1: I want we, some drinks. I'm not going to yeah. do it, but I'm just telling you that's what's, what's happening for me right now. It's just like, it's, it's a human, it's a human response. It's like, there's nothing wrong with you for it. Right. Yeah. Does that help? Anne? I think like, we want people, we can talk about this for a moment. We want people to support us, right? Like we think sometimes some obstacles people have, well, it's really hard for me because my husband that's all we do and all all my friends drink and you know what I mean so we we kind of give our own limited um i don't know possibilities for ourselves because we think that nobody's going to be supportive of us or we've tried in the past and we haven't gotten the support that we think we need and this is just tough love but the biggest support you will ever get is from yourself and so it's almost like you kind of have to let go of people doing things exactly what you think is going to be super helpful for you because we can't control other people. We just can't, but we can can control is ourselves if we try to control anything. And so again, just take that energy of your expectations for other people and put them in a loving way onto yourself. And how can you support yourself or where are you not supporting yourself? Or if you think I need more support from this person or that person, okay, maybe there's a deficiency in the support that I'm giving myself. Where can I go get that for me?
0: yeah and I think like the more that partners and other people see how committed you are and like how we see you doing what you say you're going to do they start accepting that reality you know like they, they stop pushing but there's not as much uh push on it if you like as well so I think like the when my partner when she really saw I was serious about it like then they she began to accept like okay so this is how it is yes. right then we could just like yes. settle into that to that yes. new 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 way of being
1: absolutely and sometimes
0: absolutely. not everyone's going to come along for the ride unfortunately yeah. right That's but again that that, that that will be revealed it, over yeah. time yeah
1: it's good wait we got another question hold on um Laurie says I'm working on the shame no shame after an overdrink, but I'm wondering how would you respond to a partner that says something like, I thought you were going to, you were, you weren't going to drink that much again. What do you have to say? Cause that's similar to what Anne was looking for too. What yeah. do you say to somebody who's judging you about your drinking?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you could, <laughs> you're right. That, that wasn't what I was planning to do. And I'm going to learn from it. Right. Or you don't have, anything you know it's entirely up to you you Mm -hmm. don't have to defend yourself but Mm -hmm. if you feel defensive be curious why you know like why am I reacting in that way to what they're saying because you know like I I can imagine someone says that something to you like that to you and you're going to feel like a little bit like attacked maybe for want of a better word but you Mm -hmm. know like you might have a reaction to it but really like they're just saying some words like They just state in an observation like, oh, I thought you weren't going to drink as much than you did. And okay, yeah, I did drink that much and I'm going to do something with it. Well, what what do you think there? No, I
1: think just what I was telling one of my clients earlier today was when you notice the hot feelings coming in in response to something like that being said to you, it's because there's some truth to what they're saying, even though. Even though it doesn't feel good to be on the receiving end of that, and we don't want to be monitored and and tracked and all that kind of stuff, you have decided, if you've decided to cut back, and you've kind of said these things out loud, and then you don't follow through, it's like you are probably somewhat disappointed in yourself, but you just don't like being called out on it. And that's okay. It's okay. And I think, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you could just be like, yeah, man, you're right. And I don't really like you telling me about it. And I'm going to go get my journal and I'm going to go figure this out. Right. Or I'm going to get some support yeah. on this or I'm learning. And these are and then like go do some of that work. You know, if you're in my program, you definitely know what to do. Go do an evaluation. What happens right with curiosity? What was I feeling at the time that I drank more than I wanted to? What was going on for me that day? What was my mind saying to me after I already had a couple of drinks that I should have more? Like I need to capture all of that so I can get some awareness. So I can be aware of that next time I'm around alcohol and I'm not going to shame myself about it. I'm learning this is a process and I'm going to keep going. So you want to be willing to go back and look at that and kind of evaluate the situation and then come back to your spouse or your partner and be like, yeah, I just learned this so much about me and I I, I am working on it and that's all I can do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Elisa just went on to say that her daughter asked the same question and it actually helped her in her resolve as well. So, you know, like it it really depends where you are in your kind of mindset in terms of how you receive that answer. And however you receive it is all just information.
1: It's true. It's information like, oh, yep, you're right. Like maybe you didn't even know. Right. Mm -hmm. And you want that, or maybe you just get so offended when people say you did something wrong. Like that's for you to kind of explore and figure out like what those triggers are for you. So,
2: yeah. Okay. Hold on. I think there was another question over here in the chat.
1: Mm. Tanya, you live in Wisconsin. Literally people brag about and take pride in the fact that we are the one of the drunkest States in the world. (laughs) I must break that generational habit of drinking. I think that's so funny because, like, all of my clients think that their city and their town are like the junkest speed, Like, everybody, it's just the, what you do here. And Patrick probably has the same thing in the UK, right?
0: Yeah. Well, just as a nation, we probably yeah. <laughs> say that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think when you're around alcohol and it's part of your lifestyle, and you're like, you don't, humans tend to be around people who have similar interests and likes, right? And so it seems like that's the case, but there's all sorts of groups of people who don't drink, like look at big religious groups and things like that. Um, So it's not necessarily true, but however, alcohol killed more people than COVID in 2020. So it's a real thing everywhere. Um, And I love that you're adding that you want to break that generational habit of drinking. I didn't even realize the generational um, patterns until about three years after I stopped drinking, I learned how to stop drinking through life coaching. And so that's very much like making goals and thinking about what you want in the future. And yes, processing feelings and managing your mind. I never did the deeper work of looking at how I was just like programmed to believe that I was boring without alcohol, but after being away from it for a while and learning more about it, My family definitely programmed that, like, I remember as a kid saying, like, my grandparents didn't drink, and they would call them boring and six in the mud, and they should just have a drink and loosen up like all of that was programmed to me from a child. So when I think about generational stuff, it's not so much like it's um, a gene, but it's like the water that you're, you're, it's in the water, right? It's in the language that people use around you. It's how they show up the actions that they take around you that influence you the most.
0: Yeah, yeah And what I will clear. say, yeah, absolutely. And what I will say is like that's a fucking great why as well. You know, like wanting to break that generational yes. habit of drinking. Yeah, it's powerful. Like to very to be very to powerful to that more as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. My kids don't remember me drinking. I'm so glad.
2: <laughs> you no. Know? Yeah. Nice.
1: And my husband too, like just to give some hope out there to the, maybe the spouses or their friends who are still drinking a lot and you're trying to cut back. My husband was an over drinker too. And about six to eight months in or so after I stopped, he totally cut back. He rarely drinks. It's just not a part of his lifestyle anymore. And he started doing a little bit more self-development and like, it was just like a delayed response. But the reason why he did that, because he came to those terms on his own. Right. I, I finally made this decision instead of pushing diets on him, we have to do this together. Like I did in our whole relationship. I'm like, I'm going to do this for me. And I've got to just let him do him. And that, that put the, the pressure off. Right. And he just was influenced by my being in the house and his own decisions around it. So it does come and like all of my clients say that their husbands just kind of start drinking a lot less. When they start doing this work too, by default, like it's not because they're making them do it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Looks like we have um...
0: yeah, a bit of activity. I think maybe, maybe like let's talk about urges and feelings now, because I think some of these questions that have just come in, I think these might help with yeah. what they're asking. Do, um,
1: do you have to go exactly at one, or can you go a little bit over?
0: Oh, no, I'm good. Yeah, no, I'm having fun. I'm, I'm happy to stay no, and <laughs> I should probably up.
1: wrap by one thirty.
0: Yeah, that's perfect.
1: Okay, cool. We'll try to get it done in the next thirty minutes. All right, so let's talk about urges. You want to start?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't even know what these things were. Right, and and yeah. You know, and I, I know, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. Like, I still feel like I'm learning about them as well. You know, I think feelings in general or urges right like almost with an urge it it almost feels like a mental thing like I don't even necessarily notice in the body it's just like my brain just like do it do it do it I want something I want something Mm -hmm. right but like underneath that there's that getting curious about where that's even coming from to begin with and quite often it's association and dopamine and things that you've done in the past Mm
2: -hmm. but also
0: what it does feel like in the body because you can slow it down right like it does feel very mental but when you develop this practice in yourself like you begin to feel it in your body mm-hmm. it, it, and you might not want to feel it in your body because it feels because it's almost like something wanting to get out like you wanted to put something in in order to get out yeah just like paradoxical isn't it yeah
1: yeah it's like we want to we want to like it's like quelch it or like quench it or something like that right it's like we we drink it to like to melt it away or something like that. Yeah. 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 So I think that's great. Like the, the, the mind in my, the way I describe it is like the, you recognize the urge or like the desire, the want for the alcohol. when you start, when you notice you're like, I want it. Right. You start thinking about it. You're up in your head about it. And so if you're resolved to not do it, like if you've made the commitment to do dry January or whatever it is in the future, you just want almost like, okay, so I recognize that I want this. Okay, I'm not going to think about it right now, but I want to go into my body and notice where I'm feeling it. How do you describe that to people?
0: Yeah, and so it, I think just coming to your breath even, just for, like to pause, just to give yourself, like you were talking earlier about, like interrupting that model is like, one, noticing that that mental wanting something. Two is like, okay, where does it feel? So let's just stop and just like hit pause for a moment. Mm-hmm. So when I'm noticing urges, and I didn't know I was doing this, but when I was when I was learning how to meditate or whatever, I was doing meditation. Like that actually is guiding you through like processing your emotions. It's just about literally all it is is you're pausing and noticing what is happening in my body. Where's the energy? Where's the movement? Where does it feel tight? Where does it feel uncomfortable, you know? And then, like, maybe you can feel pulsing or buzzing or tingling. You know, like, there's so many different ways that it can show up. Other times it can feel like a heaviness. Other times it can feel like a a sharpness in, in different parts of your body. Even just, like, the sense of, like, wanting to do something, is what is like where are you feeling that so like often in your shoulders we, we carry quite a lot of our emotion and energy mm-hmm. as well so mm-hmm. yeah like there's, there's so many different ways that you can feel it and again it's about like practicing and checking in with yourself like even now as we're talking right like I, I notice I'm feeling things in my jaw mm-hmm. but a few years ago I would never have paid attention to that like I just wouldn't have known that it was there for me so I think it's about Giving yourself space to to practice. The thing I always work with with my clients is like, don't wait until you have an urge until you do this.
2: Do <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> because like it's it you know because our brain will want to just like go into its automation, right? Yeah, and it might not feel as accessible. So you know, with urges, is practice urges ahead of time. Like as you go through your day, like take it doesn't have to take long 20 seconds close your eyes what am i feeling in my body you know like do that a few times through the day like it's a couple of minutes a day and then so when those urges do come like you're going to be so much more prepared because you you know you've got a tool that you can access
2: yes
1: i think to practice um processing urges with something not so like addictive as alcohol so like practice not picking up your phone every time you have thought about it Perfect example. Right. Maybe like, instead of like being on the internet and checking your email all the time, it's like, how about I don't. And I just sit here with a desire to go check my email and notice what that feels like in my body. Right. No big side effect. If you end up checking your email. Right. So, but at least it helps you understand. I recognize I want to do something, anything. What if I didn't do that? What is, what do I feel in my body? If I don't follow through? on the suggestion that my brain gave me to go do that thing. It could be yelling at your kids, you know, yelling at your spouse. How about you feel that energy? You're like, I'm noticing that feeling. Where is it? It's hot in my shoulders and my neck and my face. You know, it's like, I just want to get it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, not, nah, not from experience or anything, but like, that's the kind of practice that we're talking about. Don't wait till the end of the day when you're tired and hungry and, you know, like all of your resources are tapped out and you've exhausted yourself, practice checking in with yourself. And there's another benefit to doing that during the day too, is that you get to connect with yourself and you get to have more emotional um, awareness and vocabulary and understanding about how different feelings feel in your body. And not only will it help you drink less later in the day because you've connected with yourself and like tuned into what you need and what's going on with you, You're not carrying around those that those emotions all the way to the end of the day, and then you have to escape them all. But it will help you interrupt a lot of things that you may not want to do and feel better. And you won't. You don't need anything to do it. It's just like, oh, I'm feeling this. You take some deep breaths. You've resolved it, and you can move on without needing anything to fix anything. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I love that as well because, like, one of the questions here is uh, around shame, right? So. If you imagine as you're going through your day and that you're actively just like noticing when things come up and you're just like paying attention to them Mm -hmm. and you're not following through with that emotion. So, say it was like uh, shouting at your kids, is the example that you gave. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's like uh, getting frustrated at somebody in a coffee shop because they're taking too long, like whatever it is. Like when you stop yourself from doing them, you're going to have less judgments, less shame about those things so and, and you know like as that is actually taking away from how you feel at the end of the day is what you're saying right so yeah. it's it's a, it's an amazing thing to be able to do for yourself because the more you, you do that before you have an urge the actually the less you're probably going to have urges to be yeah. honest
1: absolutely yeah. because the urge I like to describe the urge, it's definitely like, that's the language that we use. We think I have to, I'm, have to, I'm worried about the urges. And what am I going to do with like, when I want that and white knuckling and resisting the urge and all of that, the urge is just kind of like the top layer. If you think about like a cupcake or something, right? The urge is like the feeling, it's a vibration in your body for sure. It, it gets you to go do something, right? It's pushing you to go do something, but kind of scrape off that top layer of the frosting and what's underneath that urge is probably a bigger emotion that you need to get curious about. It's like, okay, I want the alcohol. But if I ask myself this question, if I don't drink, what feeling am I going to have to be willing to sit with? Yeah then that cupcake is going to reveal itself to you. Like, oh, I was pissed off because my boss said this to me at work or the kids didn't clean up bad for themselves or whatever the fuck it is, right? That will be answered to you. You just have to listen, ask yourself those questions. And then you can work on processing that feeling, which is exactly the same process as processing energy. It's just breathing. Where do I feel that anger in my body? Just saying I'm angry and it's okay. I don't need to go drink from that. What, What can I do that would be more helpful for me? All of that stuff really, really helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because there's like the habitual drinking thoughts that create desire, like getting home at the end of the day. Maybe you've got a routine about like, have a glass of wine with dinner and stuff like that. But the other times where perhaps that isn't the case and it's like that accumulation of things that have happened through the day and like that's what you're trying to escape that's why you find yourself drinking or maybe that's why you find yourself drinking more than one or two glasses because like you haven't quite dealt with all of that other stuff as well that was been coming up for you so yeah yeah absolutely Uh, another thing I noticed as well Angela and this was true for me is like so often it's the fear of how i'm going to feel is worse than how i actually feel yes and so i think with with feelings with urges is like getting curious what do i believe about how i feel you know yeah. i think that's a massive part of, of of working with urges for yourself yeah
1: yeah a lot of people think i don't like boredom is a really good example of that yeah. people are scared of being bored what am i going to do like this is a what am i going to do if i'm not drinking at the end of the day i don't want to be bored right like uh, It's like, what's the big deal about feeling boredom? People people do so many things to prevent themselves from feeling bored or feeling socially anxious or feeling some negative emotion that they think they might experience in the future. And they hold themselves back so much from experiencing big growth and uh, actually more fun and more aliveness and more adventure in their lives because they're worried about experiencing a feeling that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. So your feelings are nothing to be scared of. That's, I think that's the big thing here. Urges, the way you think about these feelings and what you think about the urges, that's what you guys want to ask yourself. What am I thinking about having an urge tonight? What am I thinking about feeling socially awkward when I go out with my friends next weekend when I'm not drinking? That's what you want to get aware of because that judgment or, The thoughts like, that's going to suck. I don't, I can't handle that. Some sort of variation of that. You have like a negative idea about feeling that thing. That's what's preventing you. So Patrick and I both teach this think, feel, do thing, right? It's very simple. You have a thought. It creates a feeling in your body and then you're driven to take action. So when we think about feelings, you have to understand what you are thinking about that feeling. So a lot of people don't want to feel angry. They don't want to feel anxiety, right? They're like, Ugh, I hate feeling that way. Why do I have to feel this way? I hate this. i want to escape it. Those thoughts are driving them to feel even worse. Because when you say, I hate feeling something, I don't like this. Why do I feel this way? You feel judgment and more negative emotions because your thoughts create your feelings. And then you're more likely to go want to escape that because you think it's a problem. Do you want to add anything to that?
0: Well, just as you were sharing those questions, like I felt the energy behind them as well, right? It's like, of course, they're just going to make you feel even worse than yes, you feel. Yes, I call the shit right?
1: compactor. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we're, already, right. we're already like, maybe we're even in the negative emotion or whatever. And then we have a judgment on that feeling. You're just like, it's like unnecessary suffering, really. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's just judgment, like judgment. We need to do less, yes, less yes. of that.
1: Your feelings can't hurt you. That's that's the good news here. Literally the vibrations that you have that come with all of your different feelings, they really are just vibrations. And if you can get your head out of the way and and like put your mind to the side for a second, go into your body and just notice what those different feelings feel like. It takes away all that scariness and fear because it's just a different tightness here. It's a hollow feeling here. Sometimes they are painful, like grief. right? Like some of those are excruciatingly physically painful, but drinking to cover that up makes you just delay that pain later. And it makes it even worse. So.
0: And I don't know if you found this as well, right? Like, but the more that I've done that, the more I actually almost look forward to feeling my feelings now, like Mm -hmm. I've, I've like flipped it so that I associate more pleasure with my feeling, even if it doesn't feel comfortable yeah. Like I get almost get dopamine from feeling how I'm feeling because I know that there's positive outcomes at the end of it, you know?
1: Yeah. Of- you get to I learn about healthy. yourself. I mean, it's yeah. a beautiful thing. Talk about like the, the other topics, like how to treat yourself well, you are denying yourself your own human experience. When you buffer and escape your feelings, you are denying who you are and that doesn't feel good. It's not super respectful to the emotional experience that you're having. And so to treat yourself with the utmost respect, it's like any emotion that you have is valid. It doesn't matter if you feel like it should you shouldn't be that upset about something. You are that upset and it's okay, right? So like validate that for yourself, allow yourself to feel those feelings and interrupt the cycle that we think we need to escape this stuff because we're humans and we're supposed to have a range of emotions all day. You know, we're not just supposed to be happy all the time. You know, like we're supposed to have a range of feelings and the more, you can lean into that and learn about yourself and connect with yourself. That's like ultimate self-love right there. Like you just have a much more beautiful life that feels good. um, That doesn't have the unnecessary pain on the other side of a bad habit or something that's not good for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Beautiful.
1: Yeah. All right. What's our last question?
0: Uh, Sober days. Sober days. uh, Was it, was it, counting it's
1: it's, a digging deeper than counting the days
0: Ah, yeah digging deeper than counting days yeah Yeah.
1: you want to talk about it I mean obviously we've talked all this whole class has been we have not even talked about like get your days under you know like count your days right this has all been about deep looking at what you're thinking reflecting on yourself understanding what you're feeling right supporting yourself so it's definitely way more than counting days. Like you don't really learn anything about yourself. If your only goal is to go 30 days without drinking, if that's the only thing you do, that's awesome. You're probably going to feel physically better after 30 days, but you're not going to really learn so much about yourself and why you had been over drinking in the first place and understand your emotions and understanding your triggers. And even though that sounds like a lot of work and it can be hard, it's worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like willing yourself to get through the 30 days if like you're just focused on how many days you've not drunk, you know. Um so yeah, for for me, I I like I think it can be helpful. It just depends on what lens you're looking at it from, you know. You know, like are you are you using it to like show yourself how far you've come, no matter even if you know there's a few days in between where you have drank, you said you weren't gonna drink or whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like, you know. don't use how many days you've drunk or not drunk as a tool to beat yourself up with. Yeah. that like, use it to show yourself how far you've come. Like I was working with a, a guy for uh last last six months and he probably didn't drink for like five of the six months. Mm. The six months before he drank every day. <laughs> right? right. Like so that's a massive improvement. But then like we would look at some of the days where he had drunk and then he, you know, like as we were talking about earlier on like we start beating ourselves up we start making it a problem and like you know our brain starts kind of wanting to go back to those more familiar thoughts of like oh it's you know like we start rationalizing and justifying our own choices yeah yeah Yeah, so I think you know counting days can be helpful but just notice how you're counting them are you are you using them for you are you using them against yourself again like notice what comes up if you if you go a day and you drink, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, that means I've ruined dry January. Like what's the point, <laughs> you know, like what's the yeah. attitude towards that?
1: Yes. I think that's a good point. Like it's not like, it's awesome to get 30 days, 31 days without drinking. You will definitely feel different. You know, you'll probably will sleep better. Like there'll be a lot of benefits to your health, <laughs> your kidneys, <laughs> your liver, like all of it will be amazing. And if you don't, do all 31. That's just not what it's all about. Right. Like if you do end up drinking or you, you know, don't honor it, don't be like, fuck it. I can't, I I was, I was a failure. Right. Like use that as an opportunity to learn and just keep going. Just be like, okay, I've got 20 days left in this month. I wonder how many of those I can make it through. Right. Like it can be helpful. Like you're saying, it's just, shouldn't be the only focus, the focus, like First of all, you get to decide what success means to you, you completing 31 days of not drinking does not automatically equal success. Like, how did you handle your urges and your triggers? Did you have to hide in a closet for 31 days <laughs> and not go experience life? Well, probably not going to be like great for you to go back into the world. Right. Um, but how did you handle some of this stuff? What did you learn about yourself? Like, what else did you get to experience and do? Um so you get to be the one that decides that. Like, there's not some governing body that says you're successful about any of this stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And just you just have to be so open with yourself. Yeah. Right. Like understanding and compassionate, as we were saying, I think is it's, is integral into yes. rethinking your relationship with alcohol. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> you know, I. I think it's great like to be able to, to celebrate how many days you've gone without a drink mm-hmm. and stuff, and that's what mm-hmm. you want to do. Mm-hmm. But equally, I think what progress have you made, right? Like even if you haven't drunk, because it goes back to our brain will focus on the negative, right? And mm-hmm. what you focus on, you create more of.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so you have to show yourself how how you are improving how you are making changes what evidence are you creating in your life like how have you done something differently how have you reacted differently in fact my most recent podcast that went out this week was called find the wins
2: mm. it's
0: about like even the most subtle things that you do that are different than you would have done before like they're wins like that's what we're looking for
2: yeah. you
0: know maybe yeah. it's like driving home and not stopping at the bottle shop on the way back and like going home and and having a nice meal and then going to bed whereas before you would have stopped off and got a bottle of wine maybe it's noticing when your boss pissed you off at work and instead of going home and drinking about it you actually went home and got curious about it right like there's all these other things that have got nothing to do with drinking that come as a result of not drinking which is incredible right
1: Yeah. It's so good. Like I tell people like, you know, we should drink 64 ounces of water a day just to kind of like keep us at our healthiest. Right. You should celebrate every time you drink 64 ounces of water. Every time you follow through on one thing that you said that you would do today, celebrate that. Because like you said, the more we put attention to things, the more we get more of that. So if you're constantly focusing on what you're not doing, you're going to get more of that because it doesn't feel good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take the last 15 and read some of these comments and and answer as many questions as we can. Let's see. Got a lot of chats going on here. Let's see. This is a good one. Tatiana, hi. How do I quell my desire to verbally shame my husband when he overdrinks? It pisses me off when he overdrinks. He gets snarky and snotty if triggered. You want to take that one, Patrick?
0: Yeah right well it's it's like that's a great opportunity to process your urges like your urge in a different way right like to process your emotions that desire to verbally shame your husband when he overdrinks right like how does that feel in your body when you want to do that and get curious with yourself like okay so what why do i want to do that you know what's coming up for me because as we know like he he, he he's not Pissing you off, like what you're thinking about what he's doing is pissing you off. Yeah, and so the question is, and from a very, very curious way of asking, is like why? Like why do you think that might be happening for yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just an opportunity for you to connect. And if you don't want, it sounds like Tatiana, you don't want to do that anymore because you're asking how to quell that that rage inside of you. I know what that feels like to fucking go for it, right? And it's just like you can imagine it, you can be with it. And just like, I've talked about this before. Like I think about throat punching people sometimes full transparency. I've never done that though, but I kind of fantasize about it sometimes like, right. I have that desire at times, but I never follow through with it. Your desires aren't problems, right? Like you probably have a desire to do a lot of things that probably like, I have a desire to drink caffeine at two o'clock in the afternoon. I rarely do that. It's like, just not a problem. It's like, yeah, I recognize I want to do that, And I don't think that's probably good for me. Right. So the more you practice not doing it, that's when your desire for the thing goes down. So just recognize when you want to shame him and practice allowing that feeling to be present in your body, breathing through it, just like you do with your urges, just like Patrick said, and your desire for that will go down. And if you really do need I also just want to make sure we're real careful here. If it's something that does need to be addressed, like he's behaving poorly and that's not acceptable to you at that time, it does need to be addressed. I would do it after you're more neutral about it. So like the next day, right, when he's not drinking, when you're more calm, journal, do your work on that first. And then be like, hey, I got to talk to you about something like not from that ragey place, because when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So he's not going to hear it right? If you're coming at him with that energy, it, it's probably not going to be a good situation. So you got to get yourself more neutral before you have these kind of conversations.
2: So that was a good question. Okay. Um, Shaganasi. Hi,
1: my kids did see me drink a lot and it's hard to get past the shame. I want to talk about that, Patrick
0: yeah so did see me drink a lot so like where how are you creating that shame for yourself still now Mm -hmm. you know like what are you thinking about them seeing you drink like what is your brain getting up to what stories is it creating what are you making it mean that you've drunk in the past because like that that shame isn't coming from your kids seeing you drink right like that shame coming from what your interpretation of them seeing you drink is Mm-hmm. And so, as as throughout this call, it's like an invitation to get curious with yourself, you know. And you know, I, I always think, like, how how is that shame useful, mm-hmm. right? Like, what 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 purpose does it has for you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's a great way to look at. It. And sometimes I think too, people do say stuff like. I know there's a couple people in my program right now whose adult children are saying stuff to them about their past drinking, mm-hmm. and it's very sensitive right now. Um, but it's like usually that shame is because you think you've done something wrong or that yeah. you are wrong, like there's something wrong with you and that you're not a good mom or something like that. So I just like ask yourself, what am I thinking when I feel this way, right? They said this or they noticed that or they saw me do this. What do I think about that? and then you can get awareness on that and just know that your thoughts can be changed and you don't have to believe your thoughts and it's okay that you have those thoughts right but where we want to be careful of is it's not real necessary to carry that shame with you as you work on your relationship with alcohol it just doesn't really help you change it that much it's it's good to know that you might have those thoughts and you might have triggers especially if they do say stuff to you but it's not super helpful it's just something to notice
0: yeah it's like the you know the magnets when you got the i can't remember which way around it goes but like they just like they repel they won't go and they're like this and that's kind of like what what shame and like wanting to stop over drinking or not drink is like it's like they're just constantly pushing against each other they're not creating creating what you want so yeah it's definitely an invitation to get curious with yourself yeah. and just to kind of like understand how what thoughts are creating that for you yeah. you know like what's let your it... brain imagining it, imagining or yeah of well
1: it's like if if you're like me because my my biggest pain points right now are being a mother and thinking I'm screwing up my kids okay. Yeah. <laughs> especially because I know so much about behavior and all of this stuff oh, right yes. <laughs> and so I can go there in my mind and that's so painful for me you know, and like, even though I'm a coach and I get awareness and I have a therapist and all this stuff, like that's still my thing. Cause I don't want to fuck up my kids. You know, I want yeah. to save them from some of the pain that I've had as an adult. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so my invitation to you is just like, look at the ways you're not a bad mom. If you're, if you're saying you're a bad mom or you did these things that were bad. Okay. This let's just leave that there for now. But what are the ways that you're a good mom? What are the ways in which you showed up for your kids? what do you do for them on a regular basis it's actually way more important than the drinking stuff those are like you want to fill your brain with more of that stuff than so much of this other stuff over here
0: yeah absolutely yeah because like when you're in shame what are you not doing like how are you not wanting to show up for your kids and stuff like that yeah my mom always says like this is this is what she says to me is like whatever you do you fuck them up right like, and I think there's probably I think there's actually a book about that and it doesn't mean that you fuck them up literally but like we're all human beings like our brains meaning making machine like it gets up to all sorts and you could be the best parent in the world and you can screw your kid up because they think that they can never be perfect right <laughs> you know <laughs> right and so like you, you, we're all human like we it's, your kids are going to have stuff. my kids are going to have stuff exactly. like it's inevitable yeah it's
1: inevitable it's inevitable and you're here so you're doing something right you're getting you're exactly. getting right you're getting you're learning about yourself you're trying to work on it it's all you can do and forgive yourself really work on forgiving yourself from some of that stuff you know so I um I didn't share this part with you guys in the beginning but when I when my third child was born I drink margaritas every night for like nine weeks like from birth to nine weeks. And just because I had terrible postpartum depression, I needed alcohol to get through that time. And instead of, I could go down this thinking pathway of how much I missed of those, you know, moments with my newborn, but I don't let myself do that. Instead, I'm like, you know what? I I That was the only thing I knew how to do at the time. I'm so thankful now I have better tools. I'm so thankful I don't do that now. There's absolutely no point in me going down that spiral of shaming myself on that because I, I did do what I knew how to do at the time. And that's OK. And we yeah. all have that with alcohol or not. It's we make the decisions that we know how to make at the time. And you guys are all here, really, like you're all here now trying to learn how to do something different. And that needs to go a long way.
0: It's fucking huge. <laughs> it's it is. So big. Yeah. Like that's, it. and this is it. Like show yourself what you are doing instead of what you think you're not or what you could have or what yes. you haven't. Right. Yes.
1: And you will teach that to your children when they become adults and make mistakes. You know, it's all about like, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm going to show you that. Like, I, you know, if you need to apologize, apologize and then just be like, and I love you and I'm working on this. Show them that you're a human. Show them how to do that. I think is the best thing that we can do. Yeah
0: yeah right like it's that old adage it's not what we do it's what it's not what we say it's what we do it's like what what do you want to model to your kids like with, with that example of the restaurant I said about earlier I didn't sharpen the way that I like I apologized to her after as I told her what was going on for me right like it's and you know I don't ever remember my parents doing that when I was a kid no. and if I got shouted at for oh, whatever God. reasons right yeah no, exactly so not even now you know, <clears throat>
2: yeah
0: so it's just like uh, you know owning up, like taking responsibility for yourself and, and, you know, yeah. showing them in the best way you can. And yeah, that, that's about being here. Yep.
2: All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Laura you're trying, you're
1: saying you're trying to do this. My kid's not talking to me right now. Cause this is the second time I disappointed them. So I'm doing the healing by myself right now and it saddens me, but I'm going forward. Wish I had their support. Of course, like, of course, we wish that we had their support. And I don't necessarily know that that's true. Yeah. I wish I had their support. That may just be a thought that doesn't feel good for you. And it may not even be a fact just because they're not talking to you. Doesn't mean that they don't support you. That's an action that they're taking. We don't really know what they're thinking. Right? They're just having a boundary with themselves or whatever. Like, it doesn't mean that they're not supporting you. So, I don't want you to believe that. Do you have anything to say about that, Patrick?
0: Yeah. So, what came up for me is like almost like maybe they're waiting to see you do something so that they can start to trust you again. So, in order for you to trust, like, trust yourself, like that's the support that you need for yourself right now, like, trust in yourself. And, you know, hopefully that's they'll see that and maybe that maybe their support is and it might it might sound a bit harsh but like maybe their support is like from stepping back for a moment so that you can start to like rebuild that relationship up for yourself but like yeah, yeah thinking that they're not supporting you or that you had their support is one of those thoughts that sounds like it's coming from a good place but really it's actually kind of it is that critical voice that judgment. I, would
1: agree. I would just try it on. Like how Lori. how does it feel when you think that they're not supporting me right now? Like it sounds like for this, we're coaching you by the way. <laughs> like, I hope that's okay. But like when you have that thought, it's like, you think that's just the fact they're not talking to me. They're not supporting me right now, but that's a sentence in your mind that when you actually pull it out of your brain, like kind of look at it and then think it consciously, how does that feel in your body? probably sad right you can probably some negative feeling that you're having right disappointed something like that so that's just a way to like get awareness right so if you want to build their trust again and and make yourself feel better as you're working on this stuff what's a way that you can think about what they're doing not that you need to be happy that's not the goal it's like what might be a little bit more neutral like they're take, they're taking some time to allow me some time You know, that would probably be a lot more truthful and probably feel a lot more like neutral for you. I don't know. You could try that one on.
2: Yeah. Sending all the love. Okay. Um, Okay. So can it uh urges akin to anxiety a little anxiety like little anxiety attacks what do you think
0: yeah I mean it's the same principle right like anxiety is created this is that um fight or flight response a lot of the time isn't it like we're we're in our future we're thinking about what might happen and what probably doesn't ever happen right mm-hmm. but it's like that accumulative thing like the, when you like building 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 on that anxiety then it can lead to something like an anxiety attack because like your body doesn't know what to do with it anymore it's just kind of like in survival mode so you know w- with anxiety get, it's just it's, emotions are one in the same aren't they like when we're processing urges for drinking and not touching our phones for example it's the same as processing how we feel sad it's the same as processing how we feel anxious or angry and stuff right it's all about getting back into your body getting out of your head right because when you're focused on your breath when you're focused on what you're feeling here you're not up here and this is what's creating all of the feelings in the first place (laughs) yes So
1: i think the um are urges akin to anxiety. I think you can have more urges, like we talked about earlier, if you're not checking in and processing your feelings on a regular basis, right? So like, if you just aren't in tune with yourself, you're not connecting with yourself, how am I feeling right now? Doing some breathing, taking care of yourself, then all of that kind of stays with you in your body. And then you have more urges to get rid of it, especially if you've, responded to that in the past with alcohol. So you might have more urges if you're not really addressing your emotional needs, you know, throughout the day or on a regular basis. Um, And like you said, Patrick, earlier, it's like if you can address some of those emotional needs, you might not have as many urges. So that, I mean, I, that's what it's like for me. Like when I notice my feelings come in and out throughout the day, I try to pause and process them. And then I'm not thinking I need something and I don't get an urge to like go eat something at the end of the day or go escape that, you know, cause I've dealt with it. It's not even like a consideration in my mind. It doesn't even come up as a suggestion to do. Yeah. yeah. All right, friends. Well, we are really long. (laughs) This is all recorded. Patrick and I um, will figure out how to share it um, on our own channels. (laughs) But I will definitely send you the recording and we'll have it probably emailed out tomorrow if you're on my email list. But thank you so much for being here. You guys can do this. Um, keep going, get the support that you need. Check out Patrick's coaching program. Do you want to talk about that real quick before we go?
0: Yeah, sure. So I I actually coach guys. I coach men who want to rethink their relationship to alcohol. I do a six-month program. So if you know of any guys that might be interested, then feel free just to put them in contact with me. You'll get some more details when we send this out in whatever way, shape or form that looks like. And also I've got a group coaching program starting next week, which runs for eight weeks. Again, we'll get out the information for you as well. I also just want to say thank you, Angela, and thank you for everybody who's been here. I appreciate you, you know, use this call that we've been on today as an opportunity to show your brain that you are doing something about what you want, like you're heading in the direction you want, even if, you know, like, Thing, other things happening in your life, you know, use yeah. this as a win for yourselves. Yeah. Like It's so Absolutely. important.
1: Yeah, it was so fun. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. We've been talking about this and it's like, let's just do it. <laughs> Try January.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, it's been great. I've loved it i could talk about this stuff for hours more as well and i'd love to answer yeah. more questions but yes. yeah
1: yes we can we can think about doing <laughs> another one if you guys like this so thank you all you got this believe in yourselves that's the, probably the most impactful thing you can do even if you have a slip up just i believe in myself i believe i'm figuring this out and keep going
0: so yeah re- refuse to beat yourself up like such a waste of time
1: <laughs> all right friends Well, i will talk to you soon
0: all right Bye. thanks everybody Bye. take care bye-bye